Welcome to 68 Shining Moments presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Today we catch up with two of the leading scorers from that incredible 1979 national title game between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. We talked to former Indiana State standout Carl Nix, former Michigan State player Greg Kelser about that incredible game that changed college basketball. All right, welcome into 68 Shining Moments and uh, one of the greatest uh, games, one of the most impactful games uh, of all time in NCAA tournament history was the 1979 national title game between Indiana State and Michigan State. Uh, we couldn't get Magic and Larry, but we did the next best thing, and we brought on Carl Nix and Greg Kelser uh, from Indiana State and Michigan State. Guys, I-, I appreciate you guys couldn't get Larry and Magic for me also. <laughs> Larry is not even here. He's down in Naples. Um, and I, I don't know, Larry, uh, uh, after we had, we just had our reunion uh, not too long ago. And I think that was the last thing for Larry. I can just feel <laughs> it and can tell. He said, I'm not doing anything else. I, I think he's through the towel in, to be honest. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Larry and Magic were a little different in that respect. Right. Uh, probably even back then. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit. Um Greg, start start with you a little bit. I, I was young, so I don't remember the game. I'm not going to lie to you. I was eight years old. Um, what was the buildup and the significance of that game uh, for college basketball? At the time, I assume you had no idea what, what type of impact it would have on the sport. I don't think anybody could have had any idea how the game would, would uh, measure up in terms of uh, – uh, of its significance on the uh, college basketball landscape. Um, but you had two transcendent players uh, coming in and the network and people really gravitated to that. You had two players that were both worthy of college basketball player of the year honors. Uh, and you had an Indiana state team that was undefeated. Um, and in no small measure, the two star players, so to you know, so to speak. Uh, I think Carl was a star. I think I was a star. Uh, <laughs> but the two players that that really uh, were being highlighted, uh, the fact that one was black and one was white, did not uh, get lost in the whole thing. So you know, there were all kinds of uh, reasons for people to get engaged, and then clearly. Uh, if Irvin and Larry don't go on to have the historic careers at the NBA level that they had, then the game wouldn't have, I don't think it would have uh, had the same shelf life, but that was the start of a great rivalry. Hey, listen, everything played out. One went to the Lakers, a storied franchise. The other went to the Boston Celtics, a, a historic franchise, and they won championships. They competed against each other at the highest level. So all of that plays into uh keeping the, uh, the initial uh, game, the initial competition between the two in college, it'll keep it uh, uh, secure for many, many years to come. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Carl, when, when you first got there, when you got to Indiana State and, and you saw Larry, um, what surprised you the most about him? Because you came from the JUCO ranks. So what, 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 what kind of just was like, wow, about Larry? Well, well, first I was there as a freshman and then I went to JUCO and came back. 
Um, my first impression, I would say, this is a white freak I'm witnessing right now. <laughs> and I called home and told some of my homeboys, hey, man, I just seen the freak of nature, man. He's white with long blonde hair. They was like, no, nah, man, you tripping. I said, no, I'm not. I'm Man, the things I seen Larry doing on the court, man, it was unbelievable. And, you know, back then, there was no three-pointers and stuff like that. Larry had some little bit of hops, you know. He was dunking. And I was like, my God. So that was my first impression. I just seen a freak of nature, a white freak. Greg, Indiana State wasn't, I mean, there, there wasn't much on TV anyway back then. This was pre-ESPN. So you probably only heard and read about Larry Bird. Am I, am I wrong? Like, are you thinking, yeah, they're undefeated, but they're in the Valley. Who is this Larry Bird dude? Like, come on. Well, everybody, everybody would check the newspapers to see what was going on around the country. It wasn't like ESPN is able to bring everything to you on a nightly basis. So you had to do your research. You had to dig deep to find out what was going on. And for the most part, you just knew names. You didn't know faces. Uh, you know, if a guy was averaging 30 points in, in, in Idaho or Montana, you, you knew his name, but you didn't know what he looked like or what he played like. But we saw Larry Bird. We heard of Larry Bird. We heard, you know, we saw the name. Uh, and I agree with Carl. It was quite a revelation when we found out that Larry was a white kid. Um, and, and, we, and we pretty much found that out when we saw him on the cover of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Maybe a little bit before that, but um, you, 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 know, you, you just automatically, you know, basketball is an urban sport. We automatically thought that, you know, he, he was probably a black kid making all this noise uh, in the state of Indiana, but Man, he could play. He, he could play. He was absolutely um, uh, incredible with some of the things that he could do. Not the most athletic guy, but he understood the game. He knew how to play. He knew how to, you know, integrate his game uh, with others. And we were truly, truly worried about Indiana State uh, when it came time to face them. So Carl, and, and let me just say this, it wasn't, it wasn't just because of Larry. Obviously, Larry was the focal point, but the whole team, I mean, they were 33-0, and, 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 and forget the competition that they played in their conference. I mean, they didn't play their conference all the way up to the final game. They had to beat some other teams outside of that conference, so we were definitely worried about them. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, Arkansas, DePaul. I mean, you played some guys in the tournament, and I think that's probably where you earned – a little more national respect, Carl. Um, going in, going in the tournament again. Did you feel like nobody was giving you any credit, even though you were undefeated, because you were you were coming out of the valley, or no? We didn't get any credit. Uh, we was the underdogs all year. The only one that loved us was Al McGuire, and that was my guy. Al McGuire believed in us. He pulled us up. Uh, Billy Packer hated us. Thought we was overrated, and this, that, and the other. So uh, Al McGuire was on our team, on our side. Um, nobody believed us, um, and we didn't even care. We didn't read the articles. We didn't talk about any of that stuff. We just say, take it one game at a time, and we did believe internally, each individual guy, that we can beat anybody because we had a great unit, yeah. and everybody knew their role, and everybody was was cool with their role, and there wasn't no jealousy, this, that, and, and, uh, and we, had, we, had, we had 15 blue-collar workers, you know, we, we were all blue collar, you know, and we believed in each other, but, but nobody believed in us. I think deep down inside that motivated all of us. And we were like, I'll show you type of attitude. 
And so that's 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 what we we strived on that big time. Yeah. So give me give me your guys' kind of favorite stories leading up to the game. Like what was it like? You know, obviously the NCAA term in the Final Four now is so different than it was then, right? I mean, you've got all the media coverage, you 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 know, they're in their hotels and like it's just it it's ridiculous now. What was it like then, Greg? Well, when we got to uh uh Salt Lake City, we were the first team to get there because uh, we won our regional final game on a Sunday. We beat Notre Dame in uh, Indianapolis. And when we got back to East Lansing, Michigan, uh, people were treating it as though we had already won the championship. You know, we were getting to the final four for the first time in like 20 years for Michigan State. And it was a big deal. And uh, Coach Heathcote, Judd Heathcote, he didn't want us uh, getting too full of ourselves. He didn't want us to uh, get patted on the back too much. He, we still had two more games to win. So he decided that we would get out of East Lansing as quickly as possible and get to Salt Lake City. So we got to Salt Lake City, I think, on, on a Wednesday. And we weren't going to play until Saturday. Uh, and when we got to Salt Lake City, he put us through some grueling practices. It was like training camp at the beginning of the season. Uh, and, and that was a way to kind of get us back in focus, bring us back down to earth, make us understand that there's still some work to be done. Um, and Salt Lake City is not the most glamorous place, as you can imagine. I mean, it's beautiful. You know, it's beautiful there. But, not as a kid. As a kid, you don't want to be in Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, and not a whole lot to do. So we were sequestered, if you would. You know, it felt sort of like uh, being in isolation. Um, but it did allow us to galvanize, to regalvanize as a team, and to uh, understand exactly what our purpose for being there was. And uh, uh, you know, our first round opponent was India, was was Pennsylvania University of Penn, who had beaten two teams that beat us. Uh, we lost to Syracuse uh, the year prior, and they beat Syracuse that year. And we lost to North Carolina earlier in the season at North Carolina by a point, and they beat North Carolina in the tournament. So we were no way taking Pennsylvania lightly. We knew that we had to come out and play to play our game and play the best of our ability in order to advance to the championship game. Uh, when we did that. Uh, we played the first game on on Saturday. Indiana State and DePaul played the second game. Um, we did not, after we won our game, we got in, you know, we got our showers. We went out, I think we caught just a little bit of uh, the first half action between uh, Carl's team uh, and, and Indiana State led by Mark Aguirre. But we didn't want to watch too much of it because we didn't want to go in any direction. We didn't want to look at Indiana State and get overconfident. We didn't want to look at Indiana State or DePaul and, and worry too much. So we left at halftime. And by the time we got to our hotel and got settled in, we tuned in just in time to see uh, Indiana State pull that game out by, by two points. We weren't really pulling for either team. It really didn't matter who we played. We believed and felt that if we played the way we were capable, that we would be okay against uh, either opponent. Before we continue that interview, I have to let you guys know that it's that time of year again. 
We waited two years for this moment, and it's finally here. March's biggest tournament is back. Gonzaga is getting ready to run the table. Slippers are being fit as we speak. And our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, are putting our listeners at the center of the action. How? If you bet $4 on an underdog in a select game this week, and that underdog wins, you win $256. That's right, $256. Here's how it works. Download the app now and use the promo code FIELD68 when you sign up. Scroll through the list of select underdogs, bet $4 on them to win, and cash $256 when they do. There's no better way for you to put your college hoops knowledge to use than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So remember, the code is FIELD68, that's FIELD68, to turn $4 into $256. For a limited time only, must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Carl, what, what do you think? Larry didn't say a whole, or maybe he did say a whole lot to you guys. I don't know. I mean, obviously, media-wise, we know how Larry's always been um, for the most part. What do you think he was like with this with this matchup against Magic? Because I heard he kind of toned it down a little bit and downplayed it while Magic wanted it in, in, in typical Magic fashion, talked about it and had no problem um, hyping it up. Well, it was the first time when we was heading into the, the, the Final Four, the first time I kind of seen Larry did tone things down because uh, prior to all that, you know, Larry Larry talked a lot of a lot of stuff, man, and he backed it up. And he was, you know, this guy can't guard me. I ain't afraid of him. You know, always something. And I think he used that stuff to motivate himself. But once we got, like, closer to Salt Lake, to arrive in Salt Lake, he kind of toned it down. I didn't hear much from him. And as they say now, I think, well, he had his game face on real early. Yeah. Because he was chill. He was really chill. And uh, um, um, and with the media, he was never hated the media. So I did all the media stuff. You know, I was pushed to do that. You're good at it. You're good yeah, at it. But uh, <laughs> but you know, he didn't he didn't know much about magic, he didn't say nothing much about magic, none of that kind of stuff. He didn't say nothing about Michigan State. And, and Larry kind of dictated the tempo of what we was going to do on and off the court. Larry's like, I don't want to go see none of the games. I don't want to see any of them. You know, let's just, I'm just ready for battle. And so we kind of went to the movie and stuff like that. We went and seen the movie and things like that. And, you know, um, man, this is Terrell Hood, Indiana, man. And these are all Indiana guys. Man, it was just me, Alex Gilbert, and Eric Curry inner city dudes. I'm from the south side of Chicago. So we was we were city guys, inner yeah. city. So we on the mall and doing this kind of stuff. So um um we, we were pretty much of our guys from Indiana was really laid back, you know, and chilled out. You wouldn't even know that we had a game if you looked at <laughs> if you looked at that team as a whole like aren't y'all here to win a championship? You couldn't you could not tell. Really? Um but I just want to share one story. And this was a highlight of my final four. Uh, one of them, the biggest one. We had shoot around that morning of the game, the first game. Billy Packer was on the side over there interviewing Coach Hodges after the shoot around. And so, and so now Larry 
I don't know, everybody know now, he's the one of the biggest pranksters in the world. You know, you cannot sleep with Larry. So um, Larry came up to, to all of us and he go, hey guy, hey, hey, hey everybody, grab a ball. I don't know, it was 15 of us. We all grabbed the ball off the rack and he said on three. When the interview was over with Coach Hodges and Billy Packer, when Coach Hodges move out the way and walk away, we're going to blast, we gonna blast Bill, Billy Packer. And so he went one, two, three, and we blast him. And, and, and it's because he never supported us. And Larry said, I guess you're a supporter now, won't you? You know, so uh, that was, I loved it because I couldn't stand the fact that Billy Packer didn't give us no love, you know? Yeah, you, know, you we, got we, all the way to the final game. State is, is, is nationally known. We're from Terrell. Give us a little bit of love. So I just, <laughs> I just wanted to share that story. How did, how did how did Packer react when you when you threw fifteen balls at him? Well, he he got he that face changed. He got a little bit he got a little bit upset with that because we was going for the head, you know. <laughs> Some of the guys hit him, and then and then uh, you know I guess you know he just kind of got over it. Larry had some words with him, like I guess you, you, you know, you'll be on our team or something like that. So it is, and then we just walked off and went, and got on the bus and went on back to the hotel. So, uh, and and that's 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 how I, that's that was our team, and it was all dictated by by stuff Larry would want to do, and it was a lot of fun. But prior to that game, prior to the Final Four, Larry got silent. It didn't bother me because if he talked or he got silent, I know what he, I knew what he was going to do. He was an absolute killer. I knew that. Where so magic, about, magic, know. Greg would just go and go and go. Well, we were uh, we were a team that that didn't shy away from challenges uh, either. And uh, like any competitor, uh, individual competitor or team team comp- competition, you you look for anything that can give you an edge or anything that can uh, provide motivation. And I, I remember uh, we were we were set to take the floor uh, on Sunday after Indiana State's practice, after they practiced. So we were like in the corridor, and they were they were still on the floor, and we were waiting for them to come off. And as they were as they were exiting, all of their players, and, and you know this was nothing. Of course, it was nothing, but we made a big deal out of it because you know, we're looking, we're looking for something. You know, when we played Indiana, excuse me, when we played Notre Dame the game before, uh, we got our our motivation because Notre Dame was a team that was on television all the time, right. and you know, Notre Dame and Michigan State—they're not that far apart. So we we watched them all the time. They were on national TV seemingly every weekend. And we only got a few national television games. We felt we were better than they were. So we really wanted to play it and prove it. And we got a chance to play them in their state um, for the right to go to the final four. And, you know, we beat them handily. And they had six future NBA players on that team. And, and you know, and they had been to the final four the year before. And we beat them. Uh, we beat them up. So, you know, the motivation was we were a little bit envious of all the all the, the the coverage that they got and we were just as good and we weren't getting the same type of coverage. So we were looking for something uh, to give us a, a bump from Indiana State, but we couldn't sure. find anything because, you know, there were different conference. We hadn't played them. We didn't really know them. They didn't know us, but we got a little bit when they walked off the court 
after practicing, they all had on these cowboy hats. <laughs> and, and as they were walking past us, nobody spoke. No one acknowledged, no one said anything. And Urban and, and, and Larry, they knew each other because they had played in yeah. an international competition, I believe in Russia uh, prior to the season. So they had, a, they had a bit of history, but Larry didn't acknowledge, uh, you know, Urban. And so after that, it was like, man, look at these dudes, you know, the nerve with these cowboy hats on and everything. <laughs> and then later on, I read that that had nothing to do with us. You know, just it was something that they had for, for, for their own team. But we use that as motivation. So, okay, we'll get them tomorrow night. You know, they, they don't want to talk. They, you know, and they were strutting these hats and all this stuff. So, you know, we kind of use, we use that. You know, we, it, was, it, was, it was something that we conjured up, that we made up. But uh, it, it provided a little source of, uh, of, uh, of fire for us that we could feed off. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the game like? Well, I mean, you people don't know that for people that don't know this, you guys were uh, leading scores uh, three and four in the game, other than uh, Larry and magic. Larry did not have his typical game in, in that game. Carl, uh, had you seen that a lot before or was it just at a different level with Michigan state? Never seen it. Never seen it. I say Michigan state really did their homework. They did a fantastic job on him. I seen him get double team before. But I never seen that. I never seen that. And what what startled me, what got me, got in my head a little bit. I'd seen the frustration in Larry's face, and I was like, "Oh man!" Yeah. And so you know, I I, I had a pretty good game. I actually was just two points under my average. And so just recently, I've been looking at those stats, and I said, "Man, I should have shot the ball more." <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you didn't. <laughs> you know, I was like, I ain't taking enough, enough shot attempts, you know. <laughs> hey, Larry still would have yelled at you. <laughs> but but uh, they did a good job. And they had the size, too, uh, to to kind of kind of sandwich Larry and stuff like that. So I, I had a feeling, I'm saying, oh, this is different. They did their homework. This is different. And I seen the frustration in his face. And so I was like, hmm, yep. So well, we, we, ahead, we, uh, we, we spent – that Sunday uh, in practice, uh, getting ready for Indiana State. Keep in mind, you don't ha you only have a day and a half to prepare yeah. uh, after you find out who your opponent's going to be. But uh, Judd Heath Heathcote did a, a, a brilliant thing uh, to help us prepare for Larry. First of all, we had never faced a guy who was uh, six, six feet nine, who could mm -hmm. shoot the basketball from anywhere on the floor, but who could also pass it, keep his teammates involved, and, uh, and, and blend the two the way Larry could. The, and we didn't have anybody on our scouting team that could do that either. So what Judd Heathcote provided for us, he took, he took Irvin, Irvin Johnson off the uh, starting team and put him on the scouting team and put Jay Benson in his place uh, you know, on the, uh, uh, on the starting team. Now, Jay Benson was a starter all year, but Jay was playing with a broken foot. They shot him up with Novocaine and all this stuff. So Jay was playing at 50%. But um, Irvin went on that scouting team and he was 6'9", like Larry, could pass like Larry, couldn't shoot like Larry, but, on, but it didn't matter. But on that particular day, we just wanted him to take the shots. But on that particular day, he made everything he took. <laughs> uh, he made every shot. And he was loving it because on the scouting team, you, you get to do what you want. 
Right. You don't get yelled at. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, he was lighting it up. And Coach Heathcote was screaming, you know, doggone it, that's, that's Larry Bird. That's not Urban Johnson. You got to get out there. And, you know, we're thinking, Urban's not going to make those shots. Those aren't his shots. And he's making them. And, you know, Judd is screaming, you, if you can't stop him today, what the hell are you going to do with Bird tomorrow? <laughs> so, you know what? It was brilliant, as I said earlier, because it gave us an idea of how we had to play him, how we were going to uh, attack him. And Carl's right. We didn't just flat out double him from the beginning, but we kept a we played a two three matchup zone, but we kept a man on him. And when he got the basketball, then we sent a second guy. Right. And because right. we had the length we had, we were able to cut down some of those passing uh, lines and you know passing lanes, kind of impair his vision just a little, and um, and and contest his shots. I think Larry shot seven for twenty one in that game, and that was not Larry Bird like, especially when he had just shot shot sixteen of nineteen against DePaul. But we knew we couldn't let him, uh, you know, pick us apart. We knew we couldn't let him just have his way. So it was the ultimate sign of respect that we would put so much defensive concentration on him and, and take it. We knew that Carl was an excellent scorer, but we were really looking to take our chances with their other three guys, uh, Alex Gilbert and, and uh, Brad Miley and, and Steve Reed. Carl, what was it like after the game? Do you remember coming back in and, how you guys were and what Larry's kind of mood was. I assume it wasn't good. It was sad. Larry had his head down. He fought himself. He blamed himself. He kicked himself. He let us down. He let Cherhold down. He had promised that he was going to bring a championship to Cherhold. He was down. And the only thing he was saying, I need to get in the gym. I need to get in the gym and uh, work on my freaking game. And, uh, when we got on the flight to go to uh, back to Cheryl Hole, it was it was down, you know, uh, it was quiet and it was down. And then when we land, we had a little assembly. Uh, we kind of cracked jokes. Big crowd at the airport. Big crowd at the assembly. Larry got up, cracked a few jokes, and right after that, I was like, "What you going to do, man?" Because it's because I know it was a frat party later on that night on campus that I was going to go to. I was going to go to the cap uh, campus. Uh, uh, set and Larry said he was going over to the boys club to put, get some shots up and I was like oh my god yeah and uh, and that's what he did but it was it was a sad time it was very it, it we, we were all uh disappointed and had our heads down a little bit it was sad real sad Greg the gr the greatest memory you you have of, of that game and and maybe the the aftermath of that game is what well, it was, it was nerve wracking for the most part. Uh, I thought we were on our way to really opening that game up. We had a 16 point lead and I picked up my fourth foul in the, uh, in, in the first four minutes of the, of the second half. And then that game became very, very tight. Um, so it was obviously relief when we were able to, to get our act together and, and, and pull the game out, uh, win the national championship that we had sought to, um, to win after we got knocked out of the uh, tournament the year before by Kentucky. We lost in the regional final to Kentucky. They go to the final four and they win the championship. We were, we were just as good as Kentucky, uh, but we lost by three. So it was our goal all year to get back and win it. So uh, for us to do that, it was, it was, it was relief. Uh, not a whole lot of exhilaration. I guess that would come later, but when you put so much into a season 
a lot of hard work. Uh, you would think that when you finally achieve your goal, that you're 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 bursting at the seams with uh, jubilation, but it wasn't quite like that. It was more relief than anything else. And for me, especially because I was the only senior on the team, I was done. Win or lose, I was done. But um, I remember when we uh, we got back to the hotel, we went to our rooms, and we kind of just was doing our own little thing. And and uh, there was a big gathering in the hotel lobby, folks wanting to see us. So. Uh, my, my dad, who was uh, my mother and father and, and my uh, 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 brother and my girlfriend, who, who's now my wife, um, uh, they were there in Salt Lake City. And, and so my dad came up to the room and he says, hey, fellas, you know, you got a lot of folks down here who would like to just at least uh, acknowledge you and, 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 and congratulate you. So, you know, if you can, come on down. And so we did. And we went down and we shook a few hands and, and said a few words. And and then the next day we got on a, on the airplane and we flew back to uh, East Lansing. We had to go through Chicago in O'Hare Airport. We ran into the famous singer at the time, Gino Benelli. Uh, he had watched the game the night before. And uh, so we took pictures with him. He was all excited. We were excited. And he, um, he promised us that, you know, within a couple of weeks, we'd see, we, we'd all receive the entire collection of his, uh, of his, uh, uh, albums and that sort of thing. So that that happened. That was that was really exciting. When we got back to Lansing, East Lansing, the seemingly the whole city was at the airport and on the route between the airport and Jenison Fieldhouse, our home gymnasium. Uh, we had an, a, an assembly in there. The place was packed to the rafters, and it was that's when I think it really started to hit us that you know what you guys you, you guys you know you did this. You've uh, you accomplished what you set out to accomplish. We had a a parade a couple of days later, like 200,000 people uh, at the parade. Uh, it was just incredible. It was, it was unbelievable. But, uh, you know, my greatest memory is, is not one thing. It, it's a collection of things. And, and for me, um, you know, some of it was bittersweet because, uh, you know, we play the sport because we love it. We, we're, we enjoy being a part of a team, the camaraderie that's uh, attached to that. But, um, uh, in, in, in the, uh, in, 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 within all the celeb in the midst of all the celebration, uh, for winning the championship for me personally, it was the recognition that I'm done and I'm not going to be with these guys anymore. You know, these are my guys, these are my brothers, these are my teammates, these are my friends. And now that part is over, you know, we're not going to be competing, uh, with, you know, together anymore. So that was a, a sense of sadness, but at the same time, knowing that I was walking off having won my final game as a collegiate at the highest level in the biggest game that we play. Uh, that was really, really gratifying. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you both uh, joining us, reliving uh, one of the greatest games, uh, a game that changed college basketball, the 1979 national title game, uh, Carl Nix, uh, Greg Kelser. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. All right. Anytime. Thank you.